Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. now for The Drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9. The Ville Texture said that that Alabama, or the Alabama better uh, that got uh, Bohannon, by the way, hit with a, Spencer, a 15-year show cause. 15 years. Wasn't Bruce Pearl in like 10 years? It wasn't Bruce was five. Yeah, it wasn't even 10, right? It was, was Kelvin Sampson 10 years? No, no. There haven't been very many that were that long. I, there have been some assistants that have had some absurdly long ones. Uh, in the past, but that's uh, that's the longest I can really recall seeing. Uh, and a texter into the UPS job sex line said that that guy's like, uh, you know, getting pulled over. Do you know why I pulled you over? And because I have cocaine in my trunk. That's what that guy did. Yeah, they actually just told us everything. <laughs> it's yes, re- thank you. Thank cool. You. Cool. It it's really is the first real time confession I've ever seen. Like he's confessing while committing the crime. That is exactly what he did. Uh, I mean, with go that all story. out. Why don't you at this point? It's like, yeah, I suppose just, so, right? Yeah, $100,000 on a, like, a midweek baseball game. And it's like, just what's the stakes here? Like, I guess nothing. And it's like, oh, you really want to get rich that much? That's like this baseball game. It's like, you could easily figure out a better way to spend your money. But, you know, to each their own here. Well, look, we mentioned uh, earlier today uh, that the. Big story that, that, that kind of dropped surprisingly last night. Uh, probably really difficult to figure out uh, a worse time to have to have a coaching change like this. Uh, but Boston College uh, head coach Jeff Halfley, uh, by the way, the texters uh, warned me, they're like, please don't ever, ever just say Jeff like that again uh, because you freak everybody out that there was some issue with Jeff Brom uh, or Jeff Walls. No, this is uh, Jeff Halfley, the uh, coach at Boston College that. I think has been largely successful there, all things uh, considered, is leaving for the NFL, but not for a head coaching job in the NFL, uh, for a defensive coordinator job uh, in the NFL. And there have been a number of people who immediately sort of doom and gloom this, like this is what's going to happen, people don't want to live this life anymore. And I do think that there are some folks uh, for whom that is true, Uh, that they're just like the life of a college coach is just, not what they want to do anymore with what's expected of them. And so they, they're going to take their chances with the NFL. But a number of folks have pointed out, you know, with Harbaugh doing this, Halfley doing this, a number of the people who are doing it have NFL backgrounds. And that really the right way to look at this is like for some of these people, 
They're just getting back to the right, NFL, right. which is which is kind of what they've wanted to do the whole time. Yeah, uh, is to get back to the NFL. Yeah, I think people that you know once they get that first taste of the NFL, it's like, hey, I want to get back. Like I know there was reports, you know, Cliff Kingsbury interviewing for various office coordinator jobs out mm. there. Uh, I know I saw yesterday Liam Cohen's apparently interviewing with your Buccaneers to potentially be the OC. He's got previous NFL ties in there. Obviously, uh, I'm not sure if Ryan Grubb, the now I guess Alabama OC, was at Washington because I saw a report that he may be interested in the Seahawks office coordinator job there. But yeah, I think like once they get to the NFL, it's maybe causing things like a demotion, like really same as the one that really embraced the college game. And it's like, I have no desire to get back in the NFL. Like Harbaugh wanted to get back. Pete Carroll went to college. He wanted to get back to the NFL, and he did. Um, but yeah, to your point, the NFL, like once you get the first test taste there, you want to get back. So I'm torn about something else, uh, and that's the Liam Cohen story. <laughs> uh, I, look, I don't really understand exactly what the fascination with him is. You know, I, I've not. I don't think the Kentucky fans will tell you that last year's offense, or even uh, with Will Levis there, uh, that that it just set the world on fire, and that they absolutely love the guy, and that it was wonderful. Uh, that he is being mentioned now as possibility for Tampa Bay, uh, as well as a possibility for Boston College. But you know, I have a, a really good friend who is a big Kentucky fan who texted me yesterday. He's like, "All right, this guy's Scott Satterfield for me now." Talking about Liam Cohen, like at least Wolf. pretend that you want to be here. You know, because you're talking about you're going to come back after one year again, uh, and he's already interviewed for one job, uh, two jobs, right? Because what, talked to the Chicago Bears and Ohio State? Reportedly, yeah. Right, and then now you've got him as being listed as a possible candidate for the head coaching job at Boston College, and he's going to interview with the Bucks, who apparently need all new coaches now. They've lost almost the entire coaching staff uh, this offseason, which doesn't make me excited. Uh, do I want him to – do I – not want him to take the job because I don't think he's that great, say, with Tampa Bay? Or do I want to just go ahead and have him take the job? He's not that great. They'll clean house after next year, and it kind of screws UK by losing their offensive coordinator on February 1st. Does it, though? Because, I mean, like we said, Kentucky fans kind of soured on him last year. I mean, yeah, they'll always cheers, cheers beating Louisville, but he the last year was not good with Devin Lear, who I thought was a you know solid quarterback. He looked pretty average last year. Um, but I don't know what the deal is there. And B, like BC, that opening at this time, like I don't remember this much movement post playoff with head coaching jobs. Like I don't know what it was like. Obviously, when Bobby left after taking us to the Orange Bowl that one year, but like just you know, Alabama was the first fall, and then we knew Michigan was losing their coach because we knew Harbaugh went back in the NFL. But all this coaching movement, like BC, was not a job I envisioned opening up February first, and here we are. Yeah, so look, I'm I'm kind of torn uh, about that, but I do think it is interesting. Um, I don't maybe they th- look at this and think that it's that it reflects well on them. You know that it you know that it, it's a selling point that Cohen is this in demand. You know, at some point, I think you kind of want your guy to, to seem like he wants to be there, right? Like doing all of these interviews, like not one but like a bunch of them, does kind of give you the impression like I'm trying really hard to just get out of here. Uh, and I don't know how you recruit with that, do you? Especially, you know, lateral moves. Like, I mean, yeah, Ohio State's a bigger job, obviously, but still the same position. And again, against the NFL, that's a, maybe a higher pay raise there, and it's higher stature. But, 
Yeah, you kind of at least, I guess, try to act like you want to be there. Like if Brian Brom was doing tons of interviews for similar job statuses, we'd be, you know, questioning, like, do you want to be here or do you want to advance your career? And either way, I'm fine with it. Just, you know, be clear with us here. Yeah, I suppose if you communicate about it, that's a different animal altogether, right? And, and you certainly don't ever want to be in a place where you have a coach who's fearful of losing assistance because, to me, that's the price of success, right? There's The only thing worse than having assistant coaches that other people want is having assistant mm-hmm. coaches that other people don't want. That's true. Like, I mean, like it's, like it's not Alabama to where they can, you know, replenish every single year with different coaches, different coordinators – and be fine but yeah i mean that's a testament to your development is if these guys are in high demand but also like you said it's february 1st here and i get like the the new uh you know spring transfer portal like i don't know i remember bc had a few guys on their team that maybe were taking a look at if they enter the portal um like castellanos the quarterback i know everyone loved him when uh and we're like, oh, he's getting tampered with for sure. Well, now he has I think coach. I tweeted that. Like, he's going to be the most tampered with guy there. <laughs> I would think he would be quite popular. All right, here, I'll just throw this out. I don't know. I know how people feel about Tyler Shuck or or any of the guys on the roster. Would you want Louisville to go after uh, Castellanos? Wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it either. Yeah. I thought he was good, man. <laughs> Especially with how limited that offense was, you know, post, you know, Zay Flowers not being there. Which, yeah, I guess if you're Green Bay, then whenever you play the Ravens, whenever that matchup is, you got defense coordinator knows how to guard Zay Flowers, at least defend him to some degree, because that guy's electric. But, yeah, I mean, if Costalazzo's into the portal, then I don't know where he lands, but someone's like, look, we liked you, but we got to take a chance on this kid. Yeah, and it really does seem like whatever else you think the lessons are about coaches moving from college to the pros or from the pros to college or whatever, uh, and the... The certainly true for at least some guys fact that the calendar is such a problem for coaches that they just feel like they're never off. You know, they never get to just be people. Uh, whereas in the NFL, there's a very definite season and they'll flat out punish you when you're not working or, or when you are working, when you're not supposed to be that sort of thing. Like it's, it's, you at least know exactly what you're doing and you don't have to sort of do this constant following around and babysitting and fundraising and all the stuff that other than football uh, it's a problem, uh, and you are going to lose some coaches uh, like this. And I think it's just, until they're they're able to come up with some other system uh, of arranging things. I think we're going to do this all the time, right? Yeah, I'm interested to see if it translates cross sports. You know, like baseball or college basketball, to where someone looks at their jobs like, yeah, I like being the head coach of this job, but maybe I'll take a you know into bench role with, you know, the so- not the Sonics, the like the Trailblazer or someone. It's like, hey, I mean, be an assistant coach here. I mean, that's maybe, yeah, it's a downgrade in terms of, you know, stature, but also, I mean, maybe I don't have to deal with all of these, um, you know, head cases here in college basketball. But it does, I think, also drive home the fact that, uh, and this is just life. So hopefully Jeff's here for a really, Jeff Brom is here for a really, 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 really long time that coaching changes are now going to be catastrophic every single time unless you nail it with somebody who is just wildly persuasive. But other than that, if you fire a coach, player's going to leave. Your coach leaves, players are also going to leave. And everyone, especially in this time where once the portal is closed, 
every single time there's a coach, a head coaching change, you get that 30-day window that opens up for everybody on the roster, which I understand. I'm a, I agree with that. But it does mean every single time we do one of these coaching changes like this in this window, you, if you're Boston College, you're just sitting there basically like, what kind of roster are we going to have left after this 30 days? Do you have a spring game? Not that it matters that much, but right? do you have spring practice or a spring game? Like, you can't if the numbers aren't there, right? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think it's a it's a great question. I don't really know what they'd even do. Do you do you almost have to hire internally, or are you going to bring somebody else in and have them try and start now? Because Liam Cohen is apparently being thrown around as a name. Dan Mullen being thrown around uh, as a name as well. I mean, look that that's the part of the ACC that doesn't really seem to carry its weight all that much. You know, what would be the ultimate end game here for Boston College. Is this a coach who hmm. owns property in Nantucket? That is currently unemployed. That could uh, maybe there once was a coach from Nantucket. Is that what you're saying? Bill Belichick. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a feeling. I don't think Belichick takes a college job, but that would be hilarious. Like, yeah, I'm just gonna stay in the area. I already have a house out here and everything. Well, or, re- remember, that's why. Do you remember this? That is why Colorado hired Carl Durrell, who was you know the coach before Deion Sanders. I remember you mentioning this before. Yeah, they hired because he already lived there. That that was why they he was already there, so they <laughs> they hired him because he was already there, uh, which is only the second funniest uh, hiring story I've ever heard of like a ridiculous reason to hire someone. The first uh, was when I Bowling Green hired Mike Jinks and only hired him because they their athletic director looked up the best offense in college football. And then Googled the staff members from Mike Leach's staff at Texas Tech and figured out they could only afford the running backs coach. So they hired the running backs coach. That explains That's my favorite one. <laughs> it's like, oh, we, we can only afford you. So it's like a Syracuse school with Fran Browns. Like, yeah, you're the DB's coach at Georgia. We'll take you. Amazing. But, hey, at the same time for Syracuse, that does seem to be working out for them quite well. I mean, yeah, they got a lot great staff. And again, I don't think McCord's – that great, but obviously he was good to go eleven and one. And great, you know, you have Marvin Harrison Jr. and the other receiver that's really good there. So you have some weapons there, but he's I think in Syracuse he could flourish in that offense potentially. Uh another thing that'd be funny is if uh Vrabel decides to take the Boston College job. I'm just throwing out names of it. NFL coaches it's like, yeah, why not just take a job for a year? And it's like, yeah, you're probably gonna bounce back to the NFL if you do a good job. If not, you're still probably going to the NFL. Yeah, I don't think Vrabel's going to suffer, uh, struggle. I think he's he's. I think a year off might be good for him, uh, and he's not going to appeal necessarily to everybody because he certainly he seems to have a little bit of that same kind of gruff edge that all of Belichick's people do. Uh, so he's not like sunshine and rainbows, but somebody who pines for that kind of attitude around their team is going to want him next year, don't you think? Oh, yeah. No, my dream scenario at first before the Belichick departure was keep Belichick, bring Vrabel in his D.C. But I thought Vrabel would get a head coaching job, so I'm surprised, you know, like Dan Quinn gets the commander's job. And I think Dan Quinn's a good coach. Obviously, he took the Falcons to the Super Bowl, and they, you know, were a quarter away from winning it all before collapsing, which I was happy to see. But, like, obviously, I get that move there. It's just, I don't know how Vrabel didn't get hired this cycle. Because Tennessee, like, I get Brian Callahan's a bright offensive coordinator of mine, but, like, you, you had it made with Mike Vrabel. They did? No, you're right. I, and I don't really know. 
uh, I hope that there's some wisdom at Boston College, just because it doesn't help the ACC uh, for for anybody to be abysmal, uh, and they are they have been at times. Uh, but I don't really know that that's a job where like a big name like that is going to do great things. I think you want an up and comer, you want a climber, an ener- a young energy person, uh, and you've got to approach. To me, you got to approach that job like Cincinnati before Satterfield, of course. But yeah. they yeah they have hired climbers young up-and-coming climbers uh, and that's you recognize these guys are going to come in here and if they do well they're out of here and if not we'll have to get the next one but the idea of trying to find some sort of big name that's going to stay there and like build something i just don't think that that's a place that can ever aim for that that's a waste of time uh, and a waste of resources to do that sort of thing look at syracuse the, fran brown the position coach at georgia that's what that's what you do to me like Doug Barone was good at Syracuse. He got an NFL job yeah. out of it too. The only person I could see, and I don't know if these guys wanted necessarily coach, is like the legacy guy for like BC could be like Matt Ryan, Luke Keekley. If they Doug were Flutie. Interested, yeah, Doug Flutie, if they were just in coaching, <laughs> is get the legacy guy. But we see how those go one of two ways. And the other, you know, the revered or you absolutely despise that alum because they tanked the program so much. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know uh, that there's a good answer for those. But you got to think in the world of of NIL being such a big deal, and if if Virginia and Tennessee are successful, and NIL becomes maybe an even more kind of unregulated uh, thing, or or it's more wide open and explicit, it, life's tough for a place like that uh, to try and be the head coach there and try and uh, organize and raise and generate that sort of thing to even really have much of a chance. I don't envy the uh, the positions that Boston College and Syracuse and uh, some of these other places find themselves in. It can't be easy uh, trying to raise that sort of thing. Although you would think with everybody in sports media being such big Syracuse people, it might be a little bit easier there. Yeah, with all the like, same with like Northwestern. Like every Big J guy went to those schools that you know, surely like Tariko or. Sean McDonough, they can just donate a hand, like just a paycheck to Syracuse, and they'd be able to afford whoever they want. It's like, hey, you want to be a future journalist? Come to Syracuse, and you can play football too. Like, yeah, that's the pitch there. That's surprising that they haven't had more success. But I get it; no one wants to necessarily live up in the cold for eight months out of the year. Texture says, "Are you saying Tommy Tuberville was a bad hire for Cincinnati? How dare you?" Yeah, it was. Um, and you can look at how out of character that hire was for them. In terms of, uh, you know, they went for up-and-comers. Uh, and first-time guys getting their start, at least at that level. And then Tommy Tuberville was was the opposite of that. And Scott's really kind of the opposite of that, too. Uh, and, of course, it's going as well as we thought it would for him, too. I'm not going to be upset with how this year goes for Cincinnati if it goes as poorly as I think it will be. Like, I saw uh, the schedule drop, not camera it up right now without looking it up. But I think it's going to be another uh, really rough year for the guys in Cincinnati. 81-50-93-9, that's uh, the number if you would like to get in here. 38-31-93-9 for the uh, UPS Jobs text line. Uh, if you want to hit us up that way, text says, it would suck for a school to have a former alumnus come in and fail. How do you handle that? <laughs> I understand. Uh, exactly. Uh, but you know, in, in Halfley's case, like, I think I thought he did well, uh, overall, I just think it's an extremely difficult place to be anything other than solid. 
Like it's really difficult for me to envision them ever being like consistently kind of a competitive team for like the ACC championship game, right? Like I, I just it seems to me like being a seven win eight ish kind of win team on an annual basis might be the the ceiling for them. Yeah, like I don't see another you know Matt Ryan type of year where he comes in and they light the world on fire. They're you know whatever nine ten wins they had that year because uh, like you said it's really an impossible place to win right now and like. This year, like they were what seven and six and won the Fenway Bowl. Like it was a good year for BC standards, uh, at least recently. And like you said, Halfley, if he had stuck around for a couple years, they'd probably be. It's maybe like Dave Dort esque, where it's like you're on the same level. There's like no improvement, but you're not completely bottoming out the program either, and you just kind of keep it level. And that's maybe the best you can hope for at BC. Like this hire is not necessarily a fascinating in terms of like who can they get, but just like who's taking that job this time of year because whether you hire an assistant coach or a head coach away from someone, the cycle just keeps going. And like, I didn't think we'd be talking about the coaching carousel going on in February. Texas said, but that Cincinnati nightlife, I bet Scott eats it up. Uh, I bet Scott's never even outside when the sun goes down. Not a chance. I don't believe that for a second. I mean, we <laughs> joked here that he was, you know, after the game, he's like, oh, okay, I'm going home. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Give credit where it's due. Tall guy made a couple plays. What are the you. odds that Scott lives across the river in Kentucky? I would put it at 75%. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> I bet you're right about that. It just has on Florence or whatever. Yeah, that's, a, that's exactly what I think is going on uh, there. Uh, I am looking forward to talking with Fat Jack here uh, in a little bit uh, about the Super Bowl and prop bets because I know that Jack's not a big fan of, uh, of parlays. We've talked about that. But prop bets are pretty unique, in uh, Super Bowl prop bets in particular. Uh, and I am kind of uh, fascinated to see uh, what he thinks about those. So we'll talk with him uh, in a little bit. But if you want to jump in here, you can. 8150939. That's uh, the number 3831939 for the UPS Jobs text line. If you want to hit us up that way, as we are speaking, Jim Harbaugh is being uh, introduced as the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. And I'd say he looks. He looks happy. That man is on top of the world. He's got himself a national championship, and now he's back to the NFL like he always wanted. He is beaming uh, with his crazy eyeballs. I don't know about you. I, I've i had so much fun at his expense uh, for, for just how kind of dorky and weird he is. But I think he's going to be really good. Like I think he's going to be yeah. super successful in the NFL. Also, where in terms like the Los Angeles echelon is Harbaugh? Because he's just – He's this great character, huge personality, but also you're the Chargers coach, which we know how they are. Like football, like they don't care about the Rams or the Chargers, but the Chargers is definitely the second tier team. But is this personality can it transcend to where he's a top personality in Los Angeles? Because it's just so full of stars, obviously, in just like the sports landscape. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't really know uh, what they can do other than be really good for a really long time to sort of develop that fan base there. It's like, because you're right. It's not like Los Angeles is just swimming in Chargers freaking fans. Uh, and San Diego and, hates them. For just well, being. that's true. But also, they are, uh, San Diego in particular, they are the ones where when I turn the TV on and they're playing, so often, like if you just listen, you can't tell, tell it's a home game for them. Like so often yeah. that stadium is it half more 
with some other fan bases. Oh, I know uh, when, the Rams, when the 49ers play the Rams, they call it uh, like Levi South or whatever. It's yeah. Because like, it's basically Levi Stadium. And I make a joke all the time with a buddy of mine who's a Rams fan. I'm like, oh, the game's in Los Angeles? Home game four, insert road team. Like, it's just it's a running joke, but it's so true that – and I don't know if it's because the L.A. didn't have the NFL for, you know, 20, 30 years, whatever it was, that they just lost that fan base. But, like, even Vegas, like, there's not much of a – Raiders following, and I know it's fairly new, um, but I guess that's the thing with relocations. There's not that much of a fan base the first few years. Like I don't remember when the Titans moved, because I was like a little before I was born. The Titans moving, or the Oilers moving to Tennessee, become the Titans. If the fans just bought in right away with there, or if it was you know dormant for a bit. It, I just I, I think whatever it takes. Uh, I I think Harbaugh is going to be super successful uh, there, and that just adds another to me AFC team with a, a very good head coach and a very good quarterback it's more competition uh, for for poor Lamar uh, in the AFC or in your case for the Patriots uh, in the AFC it's really funny how unequal you know how completely unequal uh, these two leagues are when it comes to quality teams with coaches and quarterbacks which is easily the most important factor in any team being successful and the AFC is just swimming in them and the NFC has one or two maybe yeah it was like Kirk Cousins Dak Prescott and I, I Jared like Goff. Jared Goff Baker Mayfield's probably a top five guy just this year uh Hurts I like him he put him in the echelon there but yeah the NFC is just not swimming with elite quarterback play and like Brock is a good quarterback obviously in the Super Bowl He's better than what Jimmy G was for the team. But if you're in like top 10 quarters, maybe Brock finds way at the bottom half of that list. But yeah, like you said, the AFC is just swimming with quarterback play. And like, I don't know what the the Austin holds for the Chargers and the Chiefs. Because the Chiefs, the, the receiving core needs an upgrade there. But if you're the Chargers, you have a chance to take advantage of, you know, potentially a weaker Kansas City team. But they're probably going to get better because. They're the AFC champion. They may win the Super Bowl, and they will get the advantage because it's Mahomes, where people take a little bit of a discount to play for Mahomes. Oh, I, you know what? I, I think you're probably right uh, about that. Uh, that it almost sort of like with when people try to follow, follow, you know, uh, Gronk follow Brady, you know, stuff like that. People are like, yeah, if you go there, whatever you might not like about it, you take it because you're going to win. You're going to be successful. Uh, and you're probably right. I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe veterans sort of give them a little bit of a discount just to, to have a chance to be a part of it, if I'm understanding you right. Yeah, because I, mean, I saw some doing all the time where guys take a little bit of a pay. Yeah. And it's maybe not like Chris Long was the ultimate, like not necessarily a scheme fit, but he was a good player, came in for a year, wins a ring. Then he goes to Philadelphia, wins another ring in Philadelphia. And like he just, you know, you suck it up for like a year or two, and you're going to win games and play in – the, and play in January, which some guys, you know, that's the only time they ever get a chance. Like, my favorite one is LaShawn McCoy won two Super Bowls at the very end of his career. It was enacted for both those Super Bowls. <sighs> Whatever, right? Yeah, it was like the, uh, <laughs> the Chiefs and the Bucks. He's like, hey, he was on the roster, just enacted for the game. But, yeah, he put his time with Philadelphia. He's like, I'm going to sit back and kind of ring chase them in the career. And I don't care. He's a two-time champion, all these Pro Bowls and all Pro teams. All right, let's go ahead and take uh, a break here. 
And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about all of this and more uh, with our guy Fat Jack on the other side here on The Drive on Thunderville. Be right back. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. And this guy, if he had run up to him and said, here, I'm betting this, da-da-da-da-da, he wouldn't have shown him the text, but he would have bet, and he might have won. Nobody would have known. Because nobody's standing on the in the background saying, "Listen, we've got to be monitoring these type yeah. of acti- this type of activity." There's total companies that's their only job is to sniff out these type of things. So legalized sports betting is why this coach got caught. All right, Jack. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. There's no question that in terms of uh, people who don't normally gamble and who certainly don't gamble with any kind of regularity, more of them are going to be active gambling on the Super Bowl uh, than. than pretty much any other sporting event except for maybe the Kentucky Derby, but probably not even uh, the Kentucky Derby, uh, perhaps. Give our uh, folks some, some advice here, uh, some throwaway things. to j- Just stay away from that. You're wasting your time with, the th- with various things around betting the Super Bowl. All right, so we'll start with one, the Super Bowl will far out surpass the Kentucky Derby, okay. which is a big deal, but so it won't even be close. This will be billions bet uh, with a B. Um, and the, here's the general thing. You're going to get mesmerized by all the prop bets and all the different things that you can bet on. And if you're that guy, um, be very, very careful, because what smart players do with the props are they bet a lot of money to make a little money. And what the average guy does, he treats it more like the lottery. He bets a little bit of money to make a lot of money, like there will be a safety or there will be a, a kicker will win the MVP or something really long. Be real, real careful. Expect that. Look at that money like you're betting the lottery. It's throwaway money if you hit it great, but you're probably not going to. That's the first thing. Secondly, when you're talking about don't bet above your means. Just because you can bet legally now doesn't mean you should bet above your head. This game we is, is most likely, and I said this the last couple weeks around the country, this game will most likely be decided by turnovers and mistakes. All right. And so the team that turns the ball over the most last week, the Chiefs won. Baltimore turned the ball over three times. All right. The week before that, and the other game was tied on turnovers. Uh, basically, basically, when you go for it on fourth down and you don't get it, it is a turnover. And so those don't count. But if you look at the Detroit San Francisco game, it was tied, not counting that, those situations. The week before, three of the four games, the team that turned the ball over the most lost. Both these teams are very good. So be very, very careful in thinking that you, because you watch ESPN or you're a big Chiefs fan, or you're a big saver, your mother's from San Francisco, it doesn't matter. You don't have any inside extra information, so be very, very careful. The other thing, Super Bowl winners generally cover the number. So you don't necessarily, this might be the one time that if you like Kansas City, you might go ahead and play them on the money line. Super Bowl winners are 46-7-3 and against the spread. So all but out of the last 56 Super Bowls, 46 of the winners covered the number. So especially in a game like this, it's super tightly contested. Instead of laying the 10% juice you'll get if you play Kansas City minus the 110, you could actually gain – you play $100 to win $120 or so if you play the, if you're going to go with the Chiefs. If you're going to go the other way, 
go ahead and lay the points probably, but understand that the points in this particular game probably don't matter. Underdogs have been very good as of late in the Super Bowl, 12 and four straight up, 16 and six against the spread the last 22. So those are just a few things. Uh, to, to, to generally speaking, most importantly, don't bet anything more than you can afford to lose, like all gambling, especially if you're new to this. And, and most otherwise, other than that, this money spends exactly the same as the money you would make on Tuesday playing the Mac game. So don't think just because it's the Super Bowl that you need to be betting a lot more money. We're talking with Fat Jack, FatJackSports.com. Jack, how much, uh, if at all, are any of the, the lines, uh, total, any of the juice in, in either direction or anything, how much of that reflects, if at all, uh, the fact that there are a lot of uh, abnormal bettors that are going to be involved in this and that maybe they're trying to soak up a bunch of those? So what's happening with this game, which happens with um, a lot of Super Bowls, is that you'll have one team that the general public just naturally wants to bet on. They feel more comfortable placing bets on that team. That team absolutely is the Kansas City Chiefs. Nobody would argue that. I mean, Vegas, uh, they, are, they are easy to bet. They're easy to watch, even if you're not a Taylor Swift fan. They're easy to watch. Everybody loves them. Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey, and uh, this defense has been great. And so that, there's a little bit baked into that. So if, if you just took the stats from the year and, and you didn't know the names on the, ta- the names on the jerseys of the teams, you would have San Francisco probably at three or three and a half. And that's real puzzling to a lot of people because lately San Francisco's defense has not been good. Um, and, and Andy Reid has shown that he can flip. They flip a switch. I mean, if there is a switch, it is in the chief locker room because that's exactly what they've been able to do. Um, so that's generally speaking, you're going to get that. What you're getting right now, and you're getting it's kind of an anomaly this year. You get the game open two, two and a half, and then it was bet back to one, one and a half. Now it's back to two, two. You're getting a lot of volume coming in on Kansas City plus the points which they expected, and you're getting it's not even the sharps are still holding out. They're not wait. They're waiting. Because there's really no value to betting this game at one, two, or two and a half. You're either waiting for it to get to three, or you're going to try. You, you know, you'll be able to take your shot at two most of the time over the next ten days. And the sharps haven't figured out what they're going to do yet. Honestly, I've talked to five or six of them that bet hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they're still deciding. Because San Francisco's defense has not been steady enough to, for them to want to jump in on them. But what you have gotten are big bets coming in on San Francisco. So you're getting the volume coming in on the Chiefs. The number works from two and a half to two to one and a half to one. And then you get a million dollar bet out of Michigan on, um, on San Francisco. You get a hundred thousand dollars bet on, on San Francisco out of some guy that, you know, it's in Silicon Valley. And you've been getting rich people betting on San Francisco liking that side of it, and the volume of bets, 50 and $100 a time, coming in on the Chiefs. So that's a little bit of an anomaly. Normally you get movement game week leading up to the last two or three days. This year's been a little bit different because those rich players, and by the way, you heard, I didn't say sharp players, just rich players that are liking the fact that the number worked back down to one or one and a half, they're worried about the Sharps coming in on San Francisco. And so they've been taking their shot or playing the money line, having to lay less juice. So that's been what's happening uh, so far leading up to, uh, you know, we, as we head into the Pro Bowl weekend. Uh, Jack, the the total for this game, uh, 47 and a half. Uh, I think we think of both of these teams as elite offensively, and that seems – a little low typically speaking with the super bowl uh, is the the total wherever it gets set is it 
lower or higher than usual? Is it just sort of you know nerves and people feeling each other out and conservatism or what? Uh, or is it the opposite? How, how do these games typically get set and then play out, broadly speaking, when it comes to the total? Yeah, the last, uh, by the way, 18 coin tosses are a 9-9, nine and nine, and the okay. last 36 totals are 18-18, and 18, or 18-17-1. So there hasn't been a lot of value in an over or an under. You, generally speaking, set it a little bit higher because the general public likes to play over versus under. And this year, that's what you just said is a great perception versus reality difference. Kansas City has gone under the total this year more than any other team in the league. They have been under in their game 70% of the time. They have averaged 7.4 points per game in the second half the entire year. To San Francisco, and then, by the way, that's second, that's 30th in the league. 7.4 points is what they've averaged per game in the second half. They are not an over team. They are a team that has figured out a way to win. San Francisco, on the other hand, averaging 14.1 points per game in the second half, and which is leads the league. San Francisco has the number one offense in the league. So people are wondering why Kansas City's favored. They're not favored. They're not favored because they're playing a team that over the years has been better than them, especially on offense. Um, but lately, it's hard to bet against Mahomes in the playoffs. But generally speaking, the total will be a little higher than it should. Be real careful about thinking about what you – because you know the stars – dig a little deeper and see what Kansas City's actually been. They've been a team that seven out of ten times this year has gone under the total. And so that's the anomaly there is what, you know, what, what kind, what's the, the vibe of the game? What's the script? What does it look like? Are going to be higher scoring? Kansas City has to open up the offense. Or will they be able to do what they did last week against a really good Baltimore team, get a lead, and then be more conservative in the second half? Andy Reid is known for opening up the offense, being a lot more aggressive against very good defenses. The worse the defense, the lower scoring he generally speaks. It's the, uh, it's the opposite of what you would think. But that's how he's been over his career. So how does he attack this defense that's now showing some susceptibility to the run? They're giving up rushing yards not only against Detroit, but ha- does he have to open it up or not? Uh, that's one of the questions that we're trying to work through and we figure out what we're betting on. Uh, Jack, what do you put uh, stock-wise or factor it in or whatever, just your overall kind of belief in these coaches Super Bowl hasn't gone great for Shanahan. It's gone pretty freaking great for Andy Reid uh, over time. Do you do you build that in uh, at all? Give yourself a little bit of a premium for one of these two, or does it matter at all to you? Yeah, I think I build it in more than the line setters do for sure. They're looking more on the field, uh, how the teams play. But there's no arguing that Andy Reid has, especially this year, that he yeah. he should be coach of the year. I don't care what any they, they have very few offensive weapons. Yeah. Now, if you know what you're looking at, this is not a team for most of the year that had a lot of weapons. They did have a swoon in the middle of the season when they lost to Buffalo at home and so on, and he was able to figure it out and get through that. Uh, the defense has been really good. Shanahan, it's not only Shanahan, their new defensive coordinator, they've switched a couple of times over the last few years with their success. They've got Swiss cheese in that defense right now, and that's that's the truth. So are they good enough because they're super talented? All right, where they the players on the field super talented, but from a schematic standpoint, they've got some holes right now because of the way they're running their defense. Um, and so yeah, it's it's well, I absolutely I factor it in. It's an edge to edge quarterback wise, obviously Kansas City edge coaching wise to Kansas City, talent wise edge absolutely to San Francisco top to bottom. So um, uh, it, that becomes that's why this game's around a pick and why the points probably won't matter. Uh, Jack, any uh, player props for this uh, specific matchup that you have maybe have your eye on as just sort of a, uh, a value opportunity? 
Yeah, so next week we'll talk a lot more about that okay. because the full list comes out on Monday. But we are getting action. We can bet offshore, different markets. You're, you're getting some early action. Brock Purdy over the total uh, of his uh, rushing yards. It's 11.5. A lot of people betting that over. Pacheco over his rushing yards, 68.5. Kelsey over 72 receiving yards. Christian McCaffrey over 90.5 rushing yards. And Kelsey over 6.5 receptions. That probably goes to 7 before game time. Uh, those are – as you notice, they're all overs. General yeah. public likes to bet over. They want success. They want points. They want movement. And so, but those are the ones that are kind of been highlighted so far. What I tell people is, uh, find one thing. If you're just going to bet it on your find one thing you think is going to happen, and then in this game, make three or four bets based on that. So let's say that you admit that Kansas City can't score in the second half. They're averaging seven point two points a game in the second half, but they've been winning. A lot of games that you think they may, they'll at least be in the game. They, they might get blown out. Um, you, and, and you combine that with the fact San Francisco has 14 points per game in the second half, but you think they're going to be in the game. You think it's going to be a close game. So if you think that's going to happen, you can bet Kansas City to win the first half. You can bet more points in the first half than the second half. You can bet, um, San Francisco to win the second half, fewer points in the second half, uh, because a lot of different, if the game is close, that's the way it's probably going to play out. If San Francisco gets out to a big lead, then Kansas City is going to have to open things up immediately and be throwing the ball a lot more, which will generate more points. And in the second half, they become very predictable, and San Francisco is able to shut it down, run the ball with McCaffrey and company, and keep Brock Purdy at a bad spot. So just based on those two numbers, 14 points for San Francisco in the second half, Kansas City seven points, you can make four, five, six bets within the game that if you're right, or even if you're partially right, you'll be able to make money. So that's the that's the most sound way to do it. And then there's also some other opportunities we'll talk about next week when the full list comes out. One of them is, will Travis Kelsey have as many receptions as uh, as Taylor Swift has platinum albums? And so you can bet <laughs> 11 or higher. She has 10, by the way, for those who are not Swifties okay. out there. If you hit 10, it's almost 3-1. to one. If he goes over that, you get 4.5-1. to one. If he gets 11 receptions, under that you lay 230. So there's a lot of things that will be coming out over the next week or so. We'll be able to drill down and take advantage of, but those are just the things to get us started. All right, Jack. Uh, again, one more time. Tell folks where they can find everything you've got to offer between now and the Super Bowl and continuing on, obviously, through basketball, which is going well uh, as well. Where can they go? Incredibly well overall. Bad this week. We're going to turn that around this weekend. FatJackSports.com, 99 bucks Get you everything through this Sunday. If you go through the Super Bowl, 249 football and basketball. If you just want the Super Bowl stuff, Super $69 sexy special. I've got going to get you all the plot bets, predict your final score, get best bets for the game. All of that included 69 bucks on the website. Better idea, guys, go get the, the yearly package at the lowest rate of the entire year. I held over that price for a couple more days. Lowest rate of the year, pay out the service fee over eight months and consistently build profit betting the games against the spread. All right, Jack, we'll talk to you again next week, buddy. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, bro. I'll be at Radio Row in Vegas here. We'll get after it and uh, have a good week. See you soon. Sounds good. All right. Fat Jack, FatJackSports.com. Good stuff uh, from him, uh, as always. That man was ready to go today. Like, I think he's in Super Bowl form himself. I mean, it has been two weeks or three weeks since we've had him on these airways just because scheduling conflicts last yeah. couple weeks. Well, just imagine all of these lifelong betting guys. You think about this for just a second. These lifelong uh, guys who do this, you know, this is their job. They've done it uh, for years and years and years, and they're, they're finally getting to a Super Bowl in Vegas. That's After all dream. this time.
you think about that, uh, how, you know, we've, I think we've talked about this in, uh, at different times uh, about the NCAA, uh, what's left of it, uh, and attitudes towards the very things that they used to police so hard, how much they've changed so quickly to where, you know, the NCAA announces there, uh, you know, there's this investigation in Tennessee and they're like, how about we just sue you instead? Uh, and, and everyone's like, yeah, sue them. That's the right thing to do. And that has changed more than anything I can remember in, in five, six, seven years. It's shocking uh, how different uh, people's attitude, which is great and, and right, by the way. But 10 years ago, 15 years ago, kind of unthinkable to think about there being a Super Bowl in Vegas, a pro sports team in Vegas. It was always like, don't go there. Can't go there. And now we've all made peace with it. And by the way, everything's fine. Yeah, I mean, we've talked. I don't know if necessarily us have talked, but. Super Bowl the last, at least for a while, has been pretty, you know, big wigs, like the guys in suits. It's more of, you know, for businesses more so than the average fan, just because tickets are skyrocketing. Like, we, like Los Angeles is a prime example of, like, all these people that are, like, business, high-class people. Now you're in Vegas, where it's probably even more, you know, snobby guys in suits than usual. Yeah, you know, that's true. And the truth is, like, I've never, you know, in terms of, like, sporting events that are, like, a bucket list, you know, for me, I have I would admit to you, I don't really think about going to the Super Bowl as one that I'm, like, dying to do. Obviously, I, I would want to, especially if the Bucks were in it. But, like, in terms of taking in an event, it really is kind of for rich people. Yeah, like, I feel like, because I'm trying to think of like just one-off games. Like obviously NBA Finals at seven games potentially. Same with the World Series and whatnot. Like inside championship. I know you mentioned you were at 2013. Yeah. Like that seems like a you know prime bucket list. College football national championship game. Like a few years ago, Indianapolis was like who like Valley and George was like we gotta go to Indianapolis for this game. Like who cares? But like that'd be a prime sporting event to go to. But Super Bowl, like yeah, it'd be fun to go to if your team's playing in it. Yeah, it's very enjoyable on TV, and I'm not one that likes this, but I know a lot of people love the commercials. Yeah, you know what? It is as much of a viewing spectacle as it is, if not more, of an attending spectacle. I saw the CBS Sports. They made this like promo video of everything that they're doing uh, camera-wise. We'll have to talk about that uh, a little bit uh, as well here. All right, let's take a quick break here, and uh, this uh, the latest in the world of college football, which is very, very much changing. Uh, we'll talk with Matt Fortuna on the other side about that on the drive on a Thunderbolt. Be right back. 